Our text is Exodus 14, verses 1 through 14. Let's hear God's word. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi-hahiroth, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, They are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart, so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now it was told the king of Egypt that the people had fled, and the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, Why have we done this, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also he took six hundred choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel, and the children of Israel went out with boldness. So the Egyptians pursued them, all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, camping by the sea beside Pi-hahiroth, before Baal-zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us, to bring us up out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Then the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth of history, that it is here in black and white for us to celebrate, to commemorate, and to rejoice in. We ask you, Lord, please uh, guide us in our thinking. Have us to reflect on what you would have us to know and understand and embrace. In Christ's name and for his sake, amen. So, this is the third message of In the Wilderness, and the first two were more summary views We had the first that spoke of Moses' life, these three periods of 40 years each, in which each one in its own way he was in the wilderness. And then last week we talked about the lost generation that perished in the wilderness. And I believe they were lost in more ways than one. They were lost in the sense that they were also destined for hell. So now we come to this third message, and now we begin to chronicle the various complaints that this lost generation has leveled against God, even after having seen all of these miracles performed in Egypt. Now, our story here is, I think, just incredibly well-suited to a play. We have three scenes that each is extremely uh, passion-filled, and uh, there is so much going on in each of these scenes, and I kind of want to walk you through each of those scenes. So in the first one, you have only 
God and Moses, and they're talking. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pihahiroth. So he tells them, You are going to go down here, you are going to stop, you are going to turn around, and you are going to camp. You are going to wait for Pharaoh to catch up to you. And he tells them why. Because I am going to make an example of Pharaoh and of his army to all the world, really, not just to Egypt, but to all the world. In verse 3, we, we see it says, Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. They are ripe for the picking, in other words. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now, who is the Lord speaking to? One man, Moses. I know many of you hate the, uh, the trilogy, the Harry Potter stuff, but if any of you have seen it, there is a scene in the last film where the voice of this dark Lord booms and speaks to all these people within his hearing. They all hear it resonating in their head. Now, wouldn't that have been so much more impressive for God to do? To let everybody know this is what he's doing? That he is going to have this happen for a purpose, his purpose? But no, he tells Moses only. Now, we don't know whether Moses was able to convey this to the people. We don't know if he tried even. But there are millions of people here. And even if he could have conveyed that message to them, really, how many would have believed it? Because are they going to believe Moses or what they're looking at with their eyes? So that's why it's so important to understand that God chooses to speak to his people in this way, through intermediaries in this time. It's really important that you understand that this is a basic concept from creation on until later. We'll get to that. So now we have the second scene. So starting at verse 5, we're now in the court of Pharaoh. And he has been told where the Israelites are and that they are ripe for the picking. And then this regret comes up. Now, I don't know that everybody uh, believes these stages of grief, but yet the first one is disbelief, right? You just kind of want to isolate yourself, wall yourself off. Every family in Egypt has lost a loved one, the firstborn son. And so they've all been grieving. And yet now, what is that second stage, they say, is in, is in this grieving process? Anger. You want to blame somebody for what has happened. You want to blame somebody for your loss. And so right at this time, perhaps, when the Egyptians are coming out of this period of isolation, period of bewilderment, period of surprise and despair, they're angry. And now they're well prepared to embrace this argument, let's go chase them down, let's get them. And then you have all these pictures of strength. You have Pharaoh, his servants, 600 choice chariots, all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And... Horses, war horses, were powerful for millennia. I mean, they were the modern weapons of war for millennia. And they had a lot of them to bring to bear against a relatively defenseless people who had been, until just recently, slaves, unaccustomed to fighting for their freedom, fighting against evil. So these war horses and chariots, you can imagine, were incredibly intimidating 
to these defenseless Jews pinned up against the Red Sea. And then we have the third scene, verse 10. And now we have Pharaoh drawing near the children of Israel, lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marching after them. So they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, because there were no graves, and this is where they complained bitterly. And so they did leave Egypt, the previous chapter says, in a structured fashion. They left in an orderly way. They traveled 250 miles over the course of just a couple of weeks. They've now encamped at this spot where God told them to wait. And just as is often the case with military actions, they made good time. But now we wait. And so they're forced to wait there about a week before Pharaoh can catch up. God wants him to catch up. And so these Israelites... Their fear and panic must be rising that whole week. And now they see the army and they're very afraid, the text says. And they have every right to be. From a human perspective, they are history. They are going to be taken captive again and probably be mistreated, beaten, for their insubordination, for having fled. So, what did the Israelites lack? What is it that they lacked at that time, at that moment, when their fear and panic are rising up in them? They lacked faith. The faith in the God that had saved them, the faith in the God that had led them away from their captors, and here they are ready to revert, ready to revert to their fallen, sinful, unsaved nature. So see, the people complain against Moses because of their fear. Now, how does Moses respond? What is verse 14? 13. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So the Lord is essentially commanding them to shut up. Just let me deal with this, and then you will see that you can trust me. Now Moses knew God's plan, and he firmly believed it. The Israelites may or may not have known God's plan, and yet it's obvious that they did not have faith in him. The message today is faithlessness and fear. And so at times in our lives, we are challenged. Our faith is challenged. And if we lack faith, we will experience fear. To the degree and extent that we lack faith, we will experience that much fear. So if you have little or no faith, as these Israelites did, they experience great fear. So when we come to the table, we come to be supplied with faith, supplied with all that we need to overcome fear in this world. Fear of evil, fear of those that have tremendous power over us, if only God allows it, which in many cases he does. Just as we see here, up to this moment, he's allowed all this to happen. He's orchestrating it for his purposes. And that's the thing that we forget. We forget that our God is a God of order. Our God is a God of plans. 
And oftentimes, the plans are that we will be strengthened in our faith by the challenges that he throws at us. And so when we are challenged, do not fear. Turn to God and have your faith strengthened. If your faith is weak, pray to God that he would strengthen your faith. Because faith triumphs over fear. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to come to us now to have your Holy Spirit comfort uh, all those here that lack faith. Faith that is uh, weak enough to where they are afraid of much in this world. We pray, Lord, that instead, just as with Asia Bibi, you would grant us faith, that we would do what we know to be right in the situations that you bring us into, that we would not be afraid, that we would pray, that we would act wisely, but that we would obey. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your presence with us, now and always, and ask your Holy Spirit to come and minister to us your grace and your faith. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.